Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons. Thanks a ton for supporting the show and making this all possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my link tree or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information. One last thing before we get started. If you could check the episode notes, there will be a link to Fireball Forge's landing page. There you can enter your email address. I'm creating this landing page so that I can collect emails of everybody who's interested in the Too Hot One Shot, my very first publication with my friend Matthew. So go ahead and click the link and enter your email address. I'll send you a quick email just saying that I've got it. And then as soon as we are ready to launch our Kickstarter, we'll be notifying you all so that you can help support us. Thank you. And now onto this episode's guest intro. Reed could be called one of the godfathers of TTRPG actual play podcasts. Along with his friends, he started Sneak Attack in 2015, less than a year after the release of D&D 5th Edition. Sneak Attack paved the way for so many other indie actual play shows, and has been inspiring to creators ever since, including multiple of my past guests. It is also still incredibly popular despite the show being on indefinite hiatus as of two years ago, and regularly features in the top podcasts for gaming and leisure in the US and tons of other places. Enjoy! So my name is Reed. I'm a DM, primarily. You know the curse of uh, you DM once and then you DM forever. I've been playing D&D for like a decade now at this point. But yeah, I, I live in the Midwest, got a wife, two kids, you know, long walks on the beach, all that jazz. The beach is in the Midwest. That's very nice. Yeah. They're numerous and beautiful. <laughs> the lakes anyway, right? That's where we go. <laughs> we go to lakes, you know, and it's fun. It's still a good time. We were just in California over the weekend and that was pretty cool. Swimming in the ocean. It's always takes me by surprise how much push the waves have and stuff compared to. It is shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. The humidity too. I don't know. How humid is it? Oh, live? it's very humid most of the time, oh, really? yeah. Okay. We get freezing cold winters and super humid summers, so we're living the dream over here. I've never had that issue in the Rockies, so. <laughs> you said you've been playing for about a decade now. How did you get into running games, and do you remember the first game you ran, kind of what it was like, who was there, how it ended up? Absolutely. I started playing 4th edition. That was my introduction into D&D, and I, of course, started as a player. and. Yeah. After a little bit of playing that game, I was telling my buddies about it. Well, actually, it's kind of a funny story because I was doing a video shoot with Josh, who is a player on on our podcast. Yeah, he's been on this show too. So Yeah, he was telling me about that. So we were doing this video shoot together and we were not very close friends at that point. So as we were kind of like walking away and like tearing down, he goes, dude, I have this idea for a game. I go, okay, like I'm all ears. Hit me with it. He goes, all right, it's, it's a game. It's kind of like chess. So you have like these pieces on a board, but each piece, much like in chess, represents like a different character with a different set of abilities. And like some of them will have like hit points and some of them can like take more damage than others and all different. And I just kind of said, let me stop you right there. (laughs) You sound like you're describing Dungeons and Dragons. He goes, no, my thing's different. I go, no, I don't think it is. (laughs) I said, I promise you it's not. I go, dude, I'm playing a D&D game right now. You're describing Dungeons and Dragons. He goes, well, that sounds like something I want to play. I said, well, yeah, like it is something you should want to play. It's really fun. And that was kind of the conversation that started like, okay, how about I just put a game together and you can play in it. And that transitioned into the first game I ever DM'd, which was for obviously Josh and then Mike and Danny, who are also on the podcast, as well as a few of our other friends, Ricky, who's on Josh's Titans of Altera podcast. He was in that group as well. We all got together and um, I said, I'll just run a game. And it was fourth edition and we were all just kind of winging it, but it was a lot of fun. That story always cracks me up. He told it on the show. And I remember listening to the episode where you were all talking about it as part of Sneak Attack. And he like described that. I don't know why it was so funny. It was just a very, I don't know, a very Josh thing, I guess. That's a very Josh thing. Yeah. (laughs) Josh is the guy who thought he reinvented the idea of organizing clothes by pinning them to his wall. 
That's not a joke. <laughs> He's like, I've got this brand new method for organizing my clothes. He's like, I'm just going to pin them to the wall. So when I need them, I can just take it off real quick. I was like, Josh, that's like, a closet. Hold on. Yeah, let me tell you about this new thing that's been sweeping the nation, Josh. <laughs> you just described an outside closet. I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but hey, he's a true renaissance man. He does a little bit of everything. So He's always impressing me with the stuff he comes up with. So you've been running games for quite a while now. I don't want to you know, say too long because I don't want to call you old. Call me old. I'll call myself old. <laughs> It's all right. You're not that much older than me, so I can't call you old. Otherwise, you know, what do you feel like are some of the mistakes you've made while running games? You know, that's kind of the point of the podcast, how not to DM. So, yeah, what what do you feel like are some of the mistakes you made maybe early on and maybe even later? Yeah, walk us through some stuff that we could learn from. When you've DM'd as long as I have, yeah, I mean, it's probably easier to tell you what mistakes I haven't made (laughs) because I truly believe you learn more by failing than you do from succeeding. I think I realized pretty early on in that fourth edition game, I did not take the easy route and like play a a pre-existing module. Uh I decided I was going to homebrew right away. And to me, that was mistake number one. I had no frame of reference for what it meant to DM or really the scope of what I was getting myself into. And so early on, I felt really overwhelmed. I think that comes across even in your game. I'm just like, I don't want to do the wrong thing or I'd... I was more worried about doing the wrong thing than I was about making sure my players are having fun. Uh And for me, that's priority number one is just make sure everyone has a good time. My biggest mistake was definitely just like not giving myself a win right away or like setting myself up for an easy win. But when I kind of got past that, I got my feet under me a little bit. I got into like regular DMing. The thing I would struggle with the most, and this was during the podcast while we were still making the podcast, was my heart wasn't in it for a while. And that definitely came through in my level of preparation and the stories that we were crafting together. And I think honestly, like the quality of the podcast itself, there were numerous times where I would like, I would arrive to do a recording session. I'm just like, I didn't prepare anything. I feel bad about it, but I just like, my heart wasn't in it. Uh And so I feel like if there are other DMs out there who kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed, like it's okay to like tap out and take a break for a bit because for me like if i'm not putting in the effort to make sure my players have a reason to show up and a reason to invest in the game then again i'm just failing and i'm setting up the whole campaign for failure yeah that's great advice i definitely have run into that and we've kind of settled into i take summers off and and we Mm. run something else during that time and that's a great way to take a break you know holidays usually we take off because people are out of town or whatever but I know when you were running Sneak Attack, was it like three years straight that you were recording without breaks? So that's, you know, yeah, like I I can't imagine how you kept it together for that long. And so that alone is impressive. But I think, yeah, it's definitely good advice to make sure that you give yourself time to take breaks. Otherwise, you can easily burn out, like you said. That's one of those like sneaky things about D&D especially is that when you're there at the table, I mean, like the feeling is unparalleled. You can't get that experience doing anything else. And so when you're there, you're having such a good time with your friends and you feel energized in that moment. But then when you leave and then you immediately think like, I got to do this again, and then I got to do it again and again. And especially in our case too, of like, oh, now we have this audience, we have this expectation. Like there are people who are expecting episodes every Friday And there was a lot of pressure I put on myself because of that. And I didn't like rise to that pressure. I just kind of like, "Ah, I don't want to deal with this right now. I burned myself out and then refused to acknowledge it. Mm. Good things to learn from. I definitely know that anybody who's run games has has at least experienced that a little bit where they're like, okay, like I need a break. So excellent. What about favorite moments running games? You know, favorite moments of improv, combat, role-playing, you know, really emotional moments, really funny moments. One of my favorite combat moments by far is in that first game I ever made and was DMing for the group, the fourth edition game. I had a homebrewed magical item that actually like lifted and kind of converted for sneak attack. It's that hundred ability amulet that several of the cast members use in sneak attack, but it was created intentionally for a fourth edition, much like in our podcast, the higher the number, the better the result. And the crew was in a very dire situation and they decided to take on like a dwarven military unit, definitely under-leveled and underpowered. 
because they just thought like, it's fine, like we'll definitely succeed. And it was not going well for them. And Mike, who was the wielder of this item, was down. He was doing saving throws, death saving throws. And on his last death saving throw, he rolled a 20 to automatically bring him to one hit point. And then the item needed to recharge. So he needed to roll a five or a six on a D6 to recharge it. Rolled mm, a six. Like a breath weapon. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So once he was able to use the amulet, he rolled again the D100 and rolled a 99, which is pretty much an insta kill. I think what it was back then was a giant spectral axe appears and like slices an 180 degree arc in front of you. And so just like all these dwarves got halved. <laughs> and there was only one like one conscious party member alive to witness it. And everyone else was unconscious and doing death saving throws. And like it was just the improbability of getting a 20, a six, and then like the one amulet ability that would have saved everybody was just like so ridiculous. And the energy at the table was so outrageous as he kept getting these amazing rolls. But in terms of like emotional or like kind of like RP moments, I can't even listen to the song Brenna wrote for Sherwood without getting emotional. And she told me it was happening. Yeah, you knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew about it. She gave me the auto beforehand. I listened to it. But like, that was one of those moments where you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of like, this is transcending to the next level of what a normal D&D game is. It was completely her idea. It was just so good. And to see everyone's reaction at the table in the moment was just like so great. Just being able to see my players and see like my friends put that much effort and energy into something we were all working on together and then to have it land as well as it did. Just really cool. Yeah. You talked about like the feeling that D&D like you feel at the table while you're playing and not being able to replicate that anywhere else. And I think this is another example of stuff like that, right? Like unless you've put in hundreds of hours of time together, like writing a song doesn't have that meaning like it does unless, you know, you'd put in all that work before. Right. So yeah, yep. yeah, really cool. Really cool moment. This is a new question for this season. What do you feel like makes an ideal D&D player and if you want to narrow it, you can narrow it down to like ideal for your table. If Yeah. Yeah. For me, someone who carries the mantle of like storytelling responsibility along with you. I feel like the worst thing that can happen in a D&D game is for like the DM to put in a bunch of time and energy and really pour their heart into making this story great and then have the players not respond to it or just not be interested. That feels terrible. Or on the flip side, having players who are really invested and they're just like, man, we're so excited to play. And then the DM doesn't give a crap or they're just like, they're in it like to be a combatant against the players, which I've never understood. The antagonist mentality. Actively antagonizing, yeah, the group, which is so weird to me. So someone who can like come along the DM, understand what they're trying to do. And then the DM in turn works with the players to kind of create this collaborative story not just i'm going to put you on rails and then you're going to do it the way i want to or i'm going to actively try and sabotage your game but really that dynamic of working together because when those things happen and the relationship between the players and the dm really is strong that's when you actually can foster that environment for really powerful rp moments i know there are tons of examples of times when you would talk about it like while playing you know, in sneak attack, like, yeah, I thought you guys would head to this island first. And it's like the last place you went, you know, in the whole story. Or, you know, there's like a bunch of examples of times where you're like, yeah, you guys totally went a different way. And I wasn't expecting it. But you know, we're doing it. And that's part of the fun. And yeah, that was a big inspiration to me in a time where I was newer at running games to be like, more flexible and kind of accept their decisions and run with it instead of like, try to make sure they followed the story I wanted to tell. And I know that method is not going to be for everybody because like, especially if you're running like a pre-made module, like you might not have the time to really flesh out like all possibilities. And that's a totally legitimate and realistic situation. But yeah, just kind of the way that I had prepared my sessions and kind of built the world out, I knew kind of that I could give them that little bit of freedom and then I could fill in the blanks with stuff I had already worked on beforehand. It kind of gave me those opportunities and made it a little easier on myself in the moment. But again, I, that's not an indictment on anyone else who like plays a more linear story. Yeah. And now a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. 
Let's kick things off with Roll to Cast. What if there was an actual play podcast where every season was an original campaign in a different system? What if they invited the creators of the TTRPGs they love on the show to share their passion and insight? Nominated on the Australian Podcast Awards and the winner of the 2022 Ennies, Roll to Cast has seasons of Cyberpunk, Vampire, Kids on Bikes, Avatar Legends, and more. You'll find interviews with the likes of Mike Pondsmith and a friendly community of fans. Find Roll to Cast, that's R-O-L-E, to cast on Spotify or your favorite podcatcher and join us on Discord and Patreon to dive into a world you love or one you've yet to discover. And Adventure Dice. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll recall Andrea and Blair being guests on my first season. In addition to Dice and other awesome TTRPG accessories they have available on their site, right now they're accepting pre-orders and orders for their advent calendars for the holiday season. No matter what holiday you celebrate, they have an advent calendar for it. They have ones of different sizes for different numbers of days for different budgets. So go check that out and find the perfect gift for the tabletop gamer in your life for the holiday season. If you use the code HN, the number two DM on checkout, that's HN2DM, five characters, you can get 10% off your order and you can help support the show because I get a little percentage of your purchases as well. So go check that out. Make your orders for the holiday season through Adventure Dice. That's adventuredice.ca and help support How Not to DM while you're at it. Next, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcast or video content creator who wishes you spent more time creating the content you love and less time doing the boring editing that bogs you down? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see all of their awesome rates and offerings for editing content. Buy a few hours of editing a la carte or buy their bulk plans if you have more content that you need created. Check out the links in the episode notes for more information about both podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Next, side character quest. This world is a peaceful one. Cicadas sing, rivers flow, magic thrums through the air, and all of it's surrounded by a single massive wall as ancient as history itself. Side Character Quest is an actual play podcast that specializes in games with just one player and one DM. Each story follows a new adventurer, so listeners can stop by for just one quest, or they can dive deeper and learn more about the world and its mysteries. Find Side Character Quest on your favorite podcast app or at the link in the show notes. Listeners will remember Ty from Side Character Quest was one of my guests from season one, and it was an absolute delight to chat with him, and I'm a big fan of Side Character Quest myself. I'm also a big fan of this next show. And lastly, Knock Prone. Have you been looking for a new D&D podcast that will make you laugh, cry, and that you can listen to with the whole family around? Knock Prone is a Utah-based clean, chaotic, and deep podcast for D&D nerds. They are rated one of the top 20 D&D podcasts on Feedspot and have an incredible community on TikTok and Discord. Campaign 2 of Nocturne is out now. Listen to a podcast your mom would be proud of. You can find Nocturne on your favorite streaming service by clicking the link in the episode description. Longtime listeners of the show will recall that Cade is the DM of Nocturne, and he was my very first guest, so I have a special place in my heart for him anyway. But if you want to check out his show, I would appreciate it, he would appreciate it. It's been a ton of fun to listen to season two so far. And now let's get back to the second half of the show, starting off with Quickfire Chaos. Quickfire Chaos, Reed and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables and create a scenario to roleplay. Fetch quest or city quest? What sounds more interesting? Oh, fetch quest for sure. Okay, fetch quest it is. All right, first roll. Yep, so this is NPC voice. 42. A severe stutter making understanding what they are saying difficult and drawn out. Okay. (laughs) Personality trait. 88. Rebellious. Defying or resisting some established authority, government, or tradition. Insubordinate, inclined to rebel. (laughs) Okay. Job? 50. Fisherman or fisherwoman, depending on what you want to do. Okay. What are you trying to get us to go get for you? 44. 
the remains of a hero who was lost in battle. Okay. Or a dungeon. Those he saved want to give him a proper burial. All right. Yeah, so the point is, like, as a DM, you run into this all the time where your players say, we're going to go talk to this person, and you got to think of a way to, like, send them to do what you want them to do or whatever. So that's that's what this is supposed to replicate. I'll be a Dragonborn Cleric. I've played one before, and it was a lot of fun. Blue Dragonborn Cleric, nice shiny armor, righteous vigor, you know, all that. For my scene, I would be just, like, docking my boat up against a dock, and I would be very aggressively tying the ropes to the hooks to affix the boat to the dock and just, like, muttering and cursing under my breath when you come and find me. So you hear the clink of armor coming behind you, and all of a sudden this loud, booming voice fills your ears and says, Oh-ho there! Uh, sailor, fisher, I hear you have a job to be done. Immediately, I just, like, drop my ropes. I, like, throw my head back. Ugh. I turn around and look at you and go, What? 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 Why? What? What gives you the impression that that I want to help you? Uh, well, sir, uh, I found this posting uh, in the village saying that the gentleman with the uh, the blue painted sloop here uh, would would uh, be down at the docks uh, looking for someone to complete a quest, and so I have come. Uh, you appear to have the blue boat, so that's what led me to you. Uh, is is it not a good time? The this boat is clearly aquamarine. Uh, well, oh, I, I apologize. I uh, perhaps uh, my dragonborn eyes do not perceive colors in the same way as you. Give me that, uh, and I do. rip it out of your hands. I rip the flyer out of your hands. Okay. <laughs> On the flyer, is there a spot that would say like, uh, you know, I will do this for pay, sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I look at it and I see the reward. Is, oh no! Right. That definitely, definitely my boat. Blue is blue is fine. Yeah. I start like pulling in nets and very empty nets. I should point out <laughs> okay. and say, uh, wh- wh- "Where do you need? Where do you need to go?" Oh well, uh, uh, it says here that we're looking for a lost adventurer or hero uh, whose remains must be returned to the village to be interred in I didn't their kill proper nobody. home. I don't know what you're implying, but I, I, I didn't kill nobody. That that book corpse was there when I found it. I, uh, whoa, uh, sir, I'm not accusing anybody. You work uh, for the I, guards. Oh, uh, no, I'm not from around here. And I don't do business with those guards. I'm rebellious against them. I, as I can tell, <laughs> yes. Quite a feisty one. Uh, but you said you found remains. Uh, I could perhaps speak with these remains and determine what happened to the fellow. Uh, that is, of course, if you're comfortable with it. But uh, I think the people of the village want their hero returned, and so we should go. I, I, I will take you for the fee, but I don't want to watch you talk to no dead bodies. Uh, you are well that within is, your right to stay on your boat, yes. That stuff creeps me out. <laughs> All the hoogly googlies and the, the mumbo jumbos. It is not for the faint of heart, no. Uh, well, uh,. What is your fee to uh, carry me to these remains? I look back down at the flyer. Six. Six uh, copper? Silver? Uh, Teen. Sixteen. Sixteen. Gold. Gold? (laughs) And I'm going to look back down at the paper to, like, examine how much I'm supposed to get. I try, like, punching a hole through with my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Uh, well, uh, I, all right, whatever. I shove it in my breast pocket. Oh, that sounds fair to me. I'm sure I can negotiate when I get back. I jump up and click my heels together, and then I run back to the boat. <laughs> okay. I'll start following you and kind of like looking around to see if anybody else saw this conversation and is like shaking their heads or, or if they're all, if they all expect this sort of behavior. <laughs> I imagine like I'm on a dock by myself because everyone else is avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> Very possible. Very possible. All right, excellent. That's it. That's a wrap. Great job. Now I just get a bunch of ideas for like other games that I want to run. It's like, oh man, the stuttering ship captain. That's a great character already. Last season, I was chatting with a a lady named Kat, and she rolled up a lady who like wasn't getting any sleep because she was hearing screaming at night, and so she like played this character who like didn't know what was going on, and I kept having to ask her the same questions, and it turns out she owned goats that were screaming. And so I was trying to, like, make her see that they were the goats. Anyway, she said, oh, I'm going to play that character, too. So, yeah, it totally happens. <laughs> awesome.
we'll transition now to the work that you've done within the D&D and TTRPG community. So Sneak Attack, it's a pretty well-known show. I feel like most of my listeners have probably at least heard of it. So tell us, where did Sneak Attack come from? How did it all come together? And that kind of thing. As we were playing our fourth edition game and that thing kind of winded down, I knew that I just wanted to keep playing. It couldn't continue in the way it was. Just some things kind of fell apart, as most D&D games do. But I really liked the core component of just like being at the table with my friends and just having that good time. But I'd also come from a very unsuccessful attempt at making a podcast about an entirely different subject. And so the idea of podcasting was still really interesting to me. And I have a little bit of a background in like audio engineering and stuff like that. So I felt like there's an opportunity to kind of marry the two together where I definitely still want to play D&D, but I I had such a good time with our fourth edition game and then like 5e had come out. And so we were kind of migrating to that anyways. I said, I, I bet if we put enough like intentionality into this idea, we could get people to have that same feeling of just being at a table around friends and being able to share that experience with others. And I pitched it to the group and they were all on board. They said, yeah, like we've never done anything like this, but you know, this could be fun. If nothing else, it'll just be a fun way to like document our adventure and we'll always have that available. We got everyone on board and like the responsibilities doled out. And by that, I mean, Mike was always going to do our mark and Josh was going to edit and everything just kind of came together really well. And then Mike hit us with that logo. And I'm just like, well, this is just ridiculous. This is like the best thing I've ever seen. And yeah, I think that's pretty much how it all came together is we were very intentional about what we were going to do with the podcast, which was be clean. We wanted anyone to be able to listen to the show. We were going to have a very consistent release schedule every Friday, and we were going to provide high quality audio because the few D&D podcasts that were out there at the time, they definitely felt a little slapdash tossed together. You know, people are eating chips at the table and you hear all that noise. Totally fine experience in the room. But when you're putting a product out there, that's just putting a bad foot forward. And I think those three things together with Mike's logo just really kind of hit at the right time or something. And and yeah, that's really how everything kind of coalesced into how it started. While doing a little bit of research to prep for this, I was trying to find D&D podcasts that were started before Sneak Attack. I know there are a handful. I think mm-hmm. Critical Role was before you guys by a few months. Right. They were still just doing the Twitch only thing. Right. Before they were publishing as a podcast. There was one called Greetings Adventurers that was a 4E one that converted to 5E later. That was maybe like a couple years before you. Dragon Talk had started before you in kind right. of like the build up for D&D Next, which turned into D&D 5E, but it's not actual play. I couldn't really find a ton of like examples that I knew that are still around and have influence, you know, like that are either still going or still like there are still like fans in the community that talk about it. So yeah, it, it's fascinating that your show kind of like started within a year after 5U was released and mm-hmm. kind of really rode that wave of popularity. Because I don't know how much time you spend on Twitter, like looking for other D&D podcasts, probably not much, but there are so many out there. And I feel like there's new ones popping up every week. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy that you all had the idea and were kind of the ones that thought of it and did it so well before, you know, all of this has kind of happened. I appreciate that. That's really kind of you. I mentioned this in one of your streams, actually, when you were reading through some uh, sneak attack lore, that sneak attack still consistently sits within the top 150 shows for games in the US and is still in the top 150, 200 charts in like a bunch of other countries too. you know, a few years after you guys have released anything, which is just insane. What do you feel like resonated with listeners most and contributed to the show's popularity and success. You talked about the logo and the good Mm -hmm. audio quality. Any other things that kind of come to mind? I think when I like listen to other podcasts, and again, this isn't an indictment on anybody because everyone's going to do their show or, or run their game like their own unique way. I think one thing that was really strong for our show, even like right out the gate, was that feeling of being at the table with the players. Yeah. I couldn't even quantify like what it is that made Sneak Attack feel that way compared to other shows. Even going back and listening, and I have obviously the memory of like remembering what that was like, but I just recently listened to a couple of episodes that I haven't listened to. I mean, probably like five, six years. And I remember like, oh, wow, like 
it really does feel like I'm just like looking over someone's shoulder in this game and, you know, being able to surprise myself because I'd forgotten kind of everything that happened. And so it was, it was really interesting to kind of have that perspective all these years later. And I have to imagine that is a partial contributor for maybe why the show has had the longevity that it has. Yeah, that's definitely probably part of it. You know, to use the critical role comparison again, they being voice actors had such a high level of like role play, but also their first season or so, like you said, a lot of other noise, a lot of this and that, maybe not as like fine tuned as their current stuff is. But then you've got shows that are like way more highly produced at least now there's a bunch of shows where they have like tons of sound effects and like no talk about rules or anything else. It's just role play and like maybe the dice rolls and that's all you hear. And it's like watching a movie almost. But yeah, Sneak Attack, very much that happy medium. For me, when I was first listening, it did feel like that. It felt like, oh, like I could play a game with these people. They feel right. like friends to me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that literally like warms my heart to know that like, the goal of what we had intended of just like, yeah, let's share this campaign with other people like that really hit. And that's really cool. Like the fact that there are people out there that, yeah, they feel like, yep, I just pulled up a chair next to these guys and I'm laughing along with them and, you know, welcoming into my home sort of thing. That's really great. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the show before, there are two seasons to sneak attack. The first season was a kind of high fantasy sort of story. The second one moved more into sci-fi realm Reed actually homebrewed like a sci-fi system based on the D20 system with like a ton of new ideas and rules and stuff. A clever way to handle without leveling up how could characters continue to increase in power and stuff. I don't want to spoil it for you, so go listen to it. Where did the idea come from to do sci-fi? And then how did that change kind of affect the group dynamic and the way the show was run, anything like that? The shift to sci-fi, I think, was out of a strong desire not to repeat myself. You know, I could have easily jumped back in and done another high fantasy 5e game and been totally fine. Like, I could play high fantasy D&D until the day I die, and I'd be a happy guy. But I don't know. I just felt in that moment like I didn't just want to stop volume one, finish that story. You know, that was 156 episodes, which is three years to the day of weekly releases. I just didn't want to, like, take a break and be like, all right, let's start over. You know, that to me just felt a little weird. So I had had this idea of doing a sci-fi campaign and just like branching out into other genres. And I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, like even more than fantasy. I love sci-fi. And so the idea of doing something in that world felt really compelling to me. Mm -hmm. And I got to shout out my boy, Star Warrior. He is an incredible like synthwave musician who I just happened to like stumble across his work on YouTube one day. And I was just so like blown away by his, his aesthetic and kind of the vibe that he was putting out. I was like, this is exactly the tone I want for like a sci-fi D&D game. And it just kind of morphed from there. And I know that there are like already established sci-fi TTRPG books and rule sets and stuff like that. But like, I just can't stand other game systems, all these different rules. I'm just, they're just not for me. And like, if I can't get on board with some of like the nuance and the rules and stuff, I can't possibly run a game for my players that way. And so I knew what I liked, which is 5e. I think it's so elegant and simple, but has enough complexity there to keep the game interesting all the way through level 20 and beyond. So I just wanted to take the bones of that and give myself the freedom to kind of play with my own themes and my own ideas about injecting the sci-fi kind of skin over the top of the 5e skeleton and i guess this is a, a slight spoiler but you like homebrewed some new classes mm -hmm. and how they would work and all sorts of interesting stuff so it was a lot of fun to kind of like hear you talk about the lore that you'd created in the game system you created and then also see it in action as someone who hadn't tried to do that yet the second part of your question is like how did it change the group dynamic and the answer yeah. is a lot <laughs> and i think that's probably one of the things that we did not stick the landing on. The idea that I'm not only uprooting the game system, but the races and the classes. So all of my players are going in with this like reduced idea of what their characters can do, what's allowed, what's not allowed, kind of set them up at a disadvantage to start. And then add on top of that the fact that 
all the listeners are even in a worse spot because they don't have any of the materials in front of them to reference. And everyone kind of, I think, took the same approach as me when making the second volume of like, I don't want to just repeat myself. So they all wanted to play different character types and different archetypes. And I thought that was great, but it took a really long time for the group dynamic to gel and to kind of solidify. And so for a long time, we had a whole cast of characters who didn't want to say much. And that's really hard for a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you had... Lucky is the strong, silent type, and you had Chip as the robot who doesn't talk much, and then Ethan Cole with secrets, and T, who is too busy, like, doing stuff, you know, tinkering. Yeah, I could see how that would be hard. (laughs) I think it was just, like, any one of those things would have been an achievable hurdle to overcome, but, like, the fact that there was three very major potential problems to getting buy-in all the way around for something like that, just it ended up being a lot more difficult than I expected it to be. Hmm, interesting. Season two ended at the end of its second season. Yep. <laughs> season two of season two on an indefinite hiatus as of summer 2020. So can you describe kind of what happened and maybe what the future outlook of the show is right now? And also, what do you feel like was the key to the show lasting an impressive five years, you know, as long as, as it did? I think... Where we were, we'd started episode or season three. I call them volumes. That's like the differentiator in my head to make it easy on myself. Sorry, guys. Volume two. It's all good. It's season all good. Two. We just ripped it off of Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't worry about it. So we just started season three and we were at kind of like this weird spot with the characters and everyone was kind of really uncertain about like their character going forward in game. But then COVID hit. And we just immediately said, like, nope, let's just, like, push pause. We don't really know what this is about. Kelsey was pregnant at the time, so we were all extra cautious there. You had been recording in person, right? Oh, exclusively, yeah. Yeah, so that's why this happened, yeah. And so, yeah, we just, we said we're not going to record any new episodes for a while. We just kind of waited out to see how long, what the outlook was starting to look like. Obviously, wasn't a short thing, as everyone knows. We tried to supplement that with what we called um, quarantine content. And that was fun, but it was also one of those things where we knew there was like a finish line too, and we couldn't just like keep making content out of nothing for a while. You know, later half of the year, you know, September or something like that. We had said, okay, like, I think we're at the time where we need to just make a call and decide if this is something we want to continue with or not, because we're definitely at like the end of the road for what we can do content-wise without just like meeting in person again and recording. We're not going to just ignore people's request for that extra caution. And especially again, Josh and Kelsey have a brand new infant daughter. And so I put it out there. I said like, cards on the table, where's everyone at? Do we want to come back and continue recording? And the way I framed it to the group is I said, it has to be unanimous decision. If even one person doesn't want to do it, then I don't want to do it. Because for me, the goal of playing D&D was never about like, I got to make this show. It's going to be a great show and it's going to all these things. The show was a byproduct of playing D&D, not the other way around. And so if I couldn't play D&D with my friends, then I really didn't want to make the show. So I put it out there and the response was not unanimous. And so that was pretty much it for me. And I said, okay, there's no ill will. There's no uh, anger or animosity there. We just said, okay, like that part of our journey together is done for now. And I think what kept us going those five years was really just that commitment to finishing what we started. You know, because I said kind of earlier in this conversation that I got really burned out between years two and three. Uh And that's where my stuff was at its weakest. And I think all of us too were feeling it. Just like, I don't know how much longer we can do this. But we kind of pulled through and muscled through and realized that the end of volume one was so strong that we were really happy we did. But I I think when COVID hit and kind of the way things were, and again, especially how long it took for volume two to find its footing, and I still don't honestly feel like it ever found the same footing that volume one did. I think people were just not in the mode of like, yeah, I'm I'm willing to like play this out for the long game and see where it goes. It didn't happen that way. And I'm totally fine with that. I 
completely respect their decisions and, you know, the factors that led to that outcome. Yeah. So it's been a a while since you were running the show. Have you missed writing, planning, recording, that kind of thing? Has it been a nice break or somewhere in between? I miss it immensely. (laughs) I miss writing more than anything. It's one of those things where I didn't realize I needed a creative outlet until I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. And there's just nothing for me quite like that idea of like creating something out of nothing or just, you know, loosely inspired by things that I'm very deliberately stealing from. And then just like presenting that to a brand new group of doe-eyed players and just see them like eat it up and run with it and stuff like that. That's just my favorite thing in the world. And so I feel like I've always got three or four different campaign ideas kicking around in my brain, but I know none of them are actually going to come to fruition in that regard. It's just me not being able to stop, <laughs> stop dreaming and stop wanting to create. I love D&D and I was able to play one little one-shot adventure with some pals of mine. And it was really fun. It's the first and only time I've played D&D since our hiatus. And it felt really good. It was really fun to, again, like roll dice and be able to like put myself in the mind of this character. And because I was actually a player too, it was really wild. And yeah, like it made me miss it a lot. But I also look back and think like, like we all have way more kids now than when we started (laughs) Sneak Attack. And I mean, I think there were like two Sneak Attack babies when we started and now there are 10. So our Sneak Attack family has just grown so much. I, I don't even know that if we wanted to, we could coordinate something like that again and adding on all of the like for me just the emotional component of like i'm ready to get hurt again (laughs) it's hard for me to like work up the courage to want to try something like that so i feel like now i'm I'm in a good spot with dnd i'm not not bitter about it i'm not burned out about it and not super eager to like test those waters again but any hobbies i picked up for sure I love streaming on YouTube when I can. I just stream video games and stuff like that. And I have a very fun community of people that I really like hanging out with and playing games with them and being able to share those, like, again, share those experiences and memories with a group of people that I just, I would never have been able to reach otherwise. And so that's just a lot of fun. Yeah, you've been playing this game that's like you're the computer on the space. What is it called? That's right, yeah. I just finished Observation, which is, yeah, you play as a ship AI. Really weird, but really it's cool. It's very bizarre, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Such a good idea for a game. Yeah, it's so weird not being like in control. Like you are the passive observer almost, even though you do some of the puzzle stuff. But like, right. you're constantly being told what to do rather than making your own choice. Very unique idea. I loved it a lot. Yeah, you've done some lore dumps in your streams as well. I think the the best part about it is like just seeing you and hearing you say, wow, I haven't thought about this stuff in so many years. And, you know, remembering all this cool stuff that you wrote. So, yeah. So you said you're not really interested in trying to start another D&D show necessarily, but do you have any plans to try to do a, a project that is podcast or D&D adjacent at all? Has the thought crossed your mind? Have you been tempted? The temptation's always there, <laughs> for sure. I feel like at any point I could just grab one of those ideas and expand on it and really dive deep into it and you know put the time into it that I know like a proper D&D story that I would uh-huh. want to tell takes. And so, yeah, the temptation's always there. <laughs> I know for a fact I couldn't get buy-in from Mike, Danny, Josh, and Kelsey to do something like Sneak Attack again. So I think it just has to stay in the in the idea phase for a while. But I don't know. I would never rule anything out just because periods of life change and circumstances change. And, you know, that's always a variable. But there's definitely nothing on the horizon that anyone should be, like, looking forward to, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, as soon as there is, I know people. So let me know. And Uh, you will be the first to know, I promise. (laughs) No, don't worry about it. The last thing I'd like to ask people before we kind of wrap up is your best advice you've got for people out there who are running games. And then also in your case, who are either starting their own podcast or have been running one for a while. I'd love to hear maybe like one or two things that you learned or that you've heard people tell you that really impacted you in a positive way. For... Any new like GMs, DMs out there who are thinking about running your own game, don't bite off more than you can chew. Just think of one fundamental idea, one core objective you have, and really just try and like 
sharpen that thing, refine it down, make the best version of that. Because, and I'm guilty of this too, I'm 100% guilty of this too, is my plans always start out to be like, let's tell some fun, quirky story, and then it's end up saving the universe. And that's fine, like it sometimes <laughs> works out, but it's just like, that's a huge undertaking that you don't even realize you're taking on. So really just find one idea that you think you find really interesting and compelling. And even if it's a module, like find something in that module, like, oh man, I could really like invest into this aspect and just try and create the best experience you can for your players. Because even going back to what we said, the DM's role is not to be an antagonizer. (laughs) It's to be a partner with your players in creating the best story you can. And if your players feel like they're being actively opposed, they're not going to want to keep playing. And you need that equal buy-in on both sides in order to really experience D&D at its purest. And then for people who want to make a podcast is don't try and copy someone else. It will never work the way you want it to. Unless you're already a celebrity, in which case you can just put whatever you want out on a podcast (laughs) and you'll get millions of downloads. But think about what you would want to listen to and what would be interesting for you. The reason why Sneak Attack worked for us is because we knew there wasn't a show out there that was really checking all the boxes of things we wanted to bring to the table. So, yep, we want to be consistent. We want to have really good quality audio and we want to be accessible for everybody, like all ages. There's nothing in the landscape that looked like that. And so, thinking to yourself, what is the space missing and what can my voice bring to that space? If you can dial into that, and you are bringing a unique perspective or something that is not being saturated by that genre, I guarantee if you have persistence and like, again, a dedication to making your audio as good as it can, because it is a podcast. After all, people don't want terrible audio in their ears. I promise you, you'll find some level of success. Maybe not serial level or, you know, something like that. But if you are passionate about your subject matter and you have a unique voice in the space, you will find an audience. That's a guarantee. Yeah. Good advice, especially because I feel like finding your niche is really hard and it can be a a difficult exercise. But if you find one, then, you know, that's definitely where the good stuff happens. Mm -hmm. I didn't do a ton of research before I started this show about like other interview shows. So I'm glad that mine ended up being one that no one else had really done (laughs) yet. That's such a wonderful position to be in too. Because if you don't know what the expectation is, you get to create your own. And that's so wonderful. I mean, one of the things I will often tell people is that we did not listen to a ton of D&D shows before we started. I didn't even Mm. listen to a ton of podcasts before I started. So I had no preconceived ideas of like what the rules were, you know, so to speak. And because of that, we just kind of figured it out as we went along, did what we thought felt right. And it just kept proving itself to be, yeah, like there's actually a space for this and there's an audience for people who are kind of like-minded like us. And I almost encourage you to have less knowledge about your podcasting space that you're wanting to land in, even though it sounds like bad advice. But again, just having that fresh perspective and fresh palette gives you a lot of creative freedom. I had no idea what to expect. And so I just kind of did it and it worked out. There you go. (laughs) Where can people find you on the internet, Reed? What's your stream schedule like? That kind of thing. If people want to drop in and say hi. The podcast is just at Sneak Podcast on Twitter. If you want to connect with us that way, I do still check it every day, even though I don't post much. I'm still in there. My personal Twitter is at Moon King Reed, Reed, R-E-I-D, like my name. And I stream on YouTube occasionally. <laughs> There's definitely not a set schedule there anymore because like I was saying earlier, like many kids and other responsibilities have not allowed me to be as consistent as I would like. But when I do stream, it's always a lot of fun. I stream on YouTube under Moon King. And we have a, a community Discord channel for pretty much anything and everything, but maybe we can do a link or something. But yeah, if you hop in there, we'll always post when I stream. And it's just a really awesome community of a couple hundred people who are just really welcoming and encouraging. And it's not even about like my channel or stream or D&D. It's about lots of things. And we all just hang out together and have a good time. So if you are looking for a bunch of nerds to talk about D&D and RPGs and video games and movies with, we'll welcome you with open arms. Yeah, I'll make sure to get an invite link from you and put that in the episode notes. Excellent. All right, well, Reed, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I feel like I know you so well because I've heard hundreds of hours of your voice. Three of my past guests decided to start podcasting because of Sneak Attack, so that's fun. Cade that's crazy. Knocked Prone, 
Ty from Side Character Quest, and Kyle from Bombarded. I think each of them even name-checked you in the episode, so that's always fun. But yeah, I mean, hundreds of thousands of other people out there have come to love Sneak Attack, and you know, I'm sure hundreds of people have decided to create because of the show and how much they loved it, including me. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate everything you've done for all of us, even if it doesn't feel like that much. I thank you so much. It's been a blast hanging out and chatting. And I always tell people any positive influence I can have on the D&D community, that's it for me. That's the best I could possibly ask for. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining me and have a great rest of your evening. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Matt, a.k.a. Dungeon Glitch. My advice when you're trying to play these games, uh, twofold. Two things you definitely want to try to keep in mind. One, try to play the game that you always wanted to make. If there's something you wanted to experience, if there's something that your players always wanted to go through, hey, I want to fight a dragon, hey, I want to be a dragon, cool, let's try it out, let's see if we can make it happen. To hear more about Matt's multifaceted creations and interests in the tabletop role-playing sphere, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with your friends and family who play TTRPGs as well. New reviews will be read out at the end of the episode as a thank you. Thank you to the team at T4C Studios, The Dragon, for help editing and producing this episode. As a reminder, if you are a content creator, either podcast or video, check out videoeditors.online or podcasteditors.online, as it's the same team who helps produce this show as runs those websites. Another quick reminder, if you could please to check out the episode links to enter your email into that Fireball Forge landing page so that I can keep you in touch about when I release the new game two hot one shot on kickstarter that'd be great thank you my intro and outro music is by daniel zombo the quickfire chaos music is by Exacat, and the quickfire chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're role-playing is by arcane anthems check out the episode notes for more of their great work and as always until next time roll some nad 20s for me